1: Empire. how that ball sounds is a key to your golfing experience
0: we came to market we really shifted that design approach on irons and now you know basically any high-tech you know iron is, is a hollow body technology product that that offers superior performance to the, the older kind of cavity back design that was popular for so many years
1: that's brad schweigert chief product officer at pxg where the little things make for the modern golfing experience this is the future sport podcast i'm bram weinstein Club technology has been ongoing for decades in the golf industry, but at PXG, they have honed in on some of the finer parts of enjoying the game that go beyond scoring low and keeping it straight. Our guest this week is Brad Schweigert. He is the chief product officer at PXG Parsons Extreme Golf, which is a company that is creating and designing the future of golf clubs and equipment. We're going to talk about the future and what that looks like on the course. Hey, Brad, how are
0: you? I'm great. Thanks for having me on this morning. Uh, appreciate your time. Uh,
1: let's talk about Parsons Extreme Golf. Uh, what is it? What do you guys do?
0: Well, the the name stands for our founder, Bob Parsons. Many people might uh, know the name. He, he, he founded several companies over the years, probably the most famous. Uh, besides PXG is is GoDaddy, which uh, he took public and then uh, at uh, some Point, kind of divested. He's no longer a, par, a part of that organization. But, uh, um, you know, after separating from GoDaddy, he, he fortunately did pretty well and, and uh, <laughs> had a very extreme passion for golf. And so he contacted, um, he actually had a friendship with the, with uh, one of my colleagues from my former company. I, I, I started my career in the golf industry at, at Ping. And, um, you know, I'd, I'd worked my way up from a design engineer to director of engineering there. And uh, with, with me was a, a, a man named Mike Nicolette who actually played on the PGA Tour and then, um, you know, was working in R&D and doing golf club design at Ping as well. And Bob and him met um, a couple of years before Bob actually divested from GoDaddy. And um, they met kind of randomly played golf through a mutual friend at Whisper Rock one day and kind of hit it off. and. Over the next couple of years, Bob would call him all the time asking questions about golf equipment. And then when, when the time was right, Bob decided uh, to call Mike and, and try to convince him to, to come over to start kind of a research arm to, like, potentially develop golf clubs. And 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 Mike basically first meeting tried to talk him out of it, you know, kind of told him that the industry is really difficult for the last decade or so. It had been flat to declining at yeah. the time. This was back in, like, 2013. Um so that the, the the industry had a had a rough go, you know, from early 2000s through that time period. I just didn't feel like, uh, you know, a, a good place to try to invest, um, you know, kind of your your money and time and effort, um, if you're if you're seeking a large return. And 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 Bob, um, you know, basically told Mike that he heard a lot of that same stuff when he started talking about trying to to get into domain domain names and and. You know, he he found that if you if you have a good strategy, you do things differently, then you can figure figure out a path and a way to be successful. And so um, after that, you know, Mike came back and talked to me about it a little bit. And and I was actually his boss at the time over, over at Pinion. And, and um, I I wasn't real interested in it, but after about a month or so, um, I decided to to, to actually take a meeting with Bob. And when I went in and had a meeting with him, I just, I I could see his enthusiasm. I could see his passion. um, And, you know, I kind of walked out of there going, if, if I pass on this opportunity, it's going to be something that I'm going to regret probably for the rest of my life. You know, (laughs) these, I mean, these opportunities just do not come, um, you know, probably once in a lifetime. if that, if you're lucky, you know, you you just don't have an opportunity to start something from scratch with somebody who has the the means and the uh, wherewithal to, to, to see it through and make it successful. And also you know that uh, you know has a, has a real passion um, for for wanting to, to accomplish the goal of making the best golf clip equipment in the world and so the the, the kind of the excitement you know got to me and, and you know the idea of just kind of having a, a blank state and going after it and you know we talked about having a no holds bar approach where there really was no no constraints in terms of, of, of costs or price points or anything like that. We were just gonna kinda dig into it and approach it from a research perspective and figure out if we how to make the very best golf clubs we could in the world. And then once we accomplish that, we figure out how to sell them and then, you know, kind of go from there. And so that's that's kind of how the initial stages started. Um, you know, that in the in the very, very early stages.
1: Okay, um, I, I'm not a I'm a weekend warrior. I'm not an expert golfer, but I've played the clubs you're talking about—not Parsons, obviously, but Ping or TaylorMade or some of the other, you know, uh, mainline clubs. What's wrong with them? What, what did you want to improve on when you went to Parsons to make new clubs?
0: Well, there's there's nothing wrong with with our competitors' products. Everybody makes fairly good stuff, but the I would say as a as an R and D guy as a, as a developer, like the 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 way that the rest of the industry had got to approaching product development, it was very structured and it was very much, um, kind of you're planning a, a, an introduction date, you're planning a price point, you're planning, you know, like a market position and then you're designing around that. And then everything kind of feeds backwards. And so everything's very regimented. So you're making trade offs. You're like, Oh, we can't do that. It's expensive. We got it. Can't do that. It's going to take too much time. You know? So you're, you get kind of pinned in. And so the idea of, of, of doing it a different way where it's like, Hey, we're, we're not going to be concerned with, like, how long it takes or when we want to try to bring something to the market or how expensive it is. Like, we just want to try to develop better technology, not for the sake of just charging more, but to really develop, like, stuff that's different and that that enhances performance. And so, um, you know, it's just that different mindset, different approach, um, and we thought it would lead to, to some, you know, groundbreaking innovations. And I think it has, like, I think our iron technology in particular, um, you know, when we have some some competitors that decided to kind of jump on board and do a lot of stuff that's kind of similar to what we're doing but if you go back and you look at the history you know prior to to us entering the marketplace you know most irons were cavity back gloves, um you know and especially in the game improvement category and most golfers played you know that technology which was really pioneered initially by Carson Solheim you know back in the in the 70s and so for the or even late 60s so for the next you know 30 to 40 years, they were just enhancing a cavity back design. Well, when we came to market, we really shifted that design approach on irons. And now, you know, basically any high tech, you know, iron is, is a hollow bodied technology product that, that offers su- superior performance to the, to the older kind of cavity back design that was popular for so many years. And, and there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, you know, we overcame a lot of the challenges, I think with feel and sound, which, uh, um, were some of the drawbacks to, to some of the, the, the earlier versions of that. And also, like, you know, definitely I still think some of the drawbacks of many of our competitors' products. I think we um, – something that we've cared about a lot since the beginning. And so we deliver not only, you know, high-level performance, um, forgiveness, distance, like everything that the golfer would care about, but also – as golfers ourselves, you know, we, we we understand how important it is for the look, the feel, the sound, and how that plays into the psyche and the, and the experience that you're, you know, ultimately, you know, people that are playing golf are going out to do it many ways to enjoy the experience. Like that that experience, that you how it feels and how it sounds, like yeah. all that, that's a big part of the enjoyment of the game. And so, you know, it's really important to us that we deliver on that as well. You don't want it to go plank and, and you know, not be any fun. That just <laughs> it doesn't make for an enjoyable experience. So, um, you know, all that is, is, is important. Um, and, and we think we've, we've found ways to deliver on that, continue to improve it, um, with each generation of product that we've done.
1: Okay. Uh, I want to focus in on sound. Um, like you said, um, there's kind of nothing like that experience of you hit the ball as well as you can and you get that perfect sound that goes with it. Um, how did you guys go about thinking about that and improving the technology to make that a reality?
0: Yeah, so the, I'll go back to like our kind of first marching orders when we, when we, um, met with Bob, he was like, he's like, look, I've always played blades. I really like the look of blades, but, um, you know, I want, I want to figure out is there a way that we can design a blade that's more forgiving than a cavity back, longer than anything else on the marketplace, and then looks really cool, distinctive. And sexy, and oh yeah, and it has to feel better than anything I've ever hit before. So that was like kind of our initial marching orders. And so, you know, when you when you when you get to that hollow body technology, um, you know that immediately I would say my mind went to hollow body technology. Let me take a step back and say, you know, if you're going to design something that kind of looks like a blade, has the appearance of a blade versus a cavity back, it's you in order to get the forgiveness to reach levels of the cavity. Back, actually, it gets beyond the cavity back is by hollowing out taking all the mass out of the middle of the golf club you get all the mass to perimeter you can use you know tungsten weighing to strategically position mass so that you can boost the Im- moment of inertia you know resist the twisting on off center hip performance make it more forgiving and then also with that design you can you can actually um, produce face flex that's going to lead to higher launch angle um, you know better trajectory performance as well as higher ball speed performance to get more distance so you can get more distance and more forgiveness with that style of construction the downside is you know most people have gotten used to metalwood kind of being a high-pitched or whatever, like a different sound but when it comes to irons they want that solid like you know thud of a sound and so when you start hollowing it out and you get the thin wall geometry you get vibrations that don't necessarily ring to the ear that like something that you're used to with an iron And so you know, very early on, we knew we need to go hollow body, but we have to probably fill it with something that's going to address the feel and sound. And so our first generation, we tried a lot of different things. We ended up on using uh, thermoplastic elastomer. And our main focus in the first generation of our irons was to address just that feel and sound. And TPE, thermoplastic elastomer, is a, is a really good dampener. Um, so it helped, you know, reduce the vibration, quiet it down and make it feel and sound, you know, really good. What we learned after that is that, you know, before that time period, like we were mostly focused on, you know, the outer structure of the design and didn't realize how important the polymers in the core were to the overall performance and the effect that they would have. And so, you know, our first generation we went really, really thin on the face, much thinner than anything else has ever been done before. And the TPE helped improve the feel and sound, but also it was a viscoelastic material that was actually like absorbing energy from impact so it was kind of for, for those who maybe understand like um, how high pass filter might work it was like limiting the, um, the amount of speed or improvement that you could get out of it because of all the clubs that we were competing against at that time were didn't have like a lot of extra speed it still outperformed everything else at the time but when we looked forward to try to get better no matter what we did it was like if we use that tp material it was kind of limiting what we could get out of it so then we started to really understand how the polymers had an effect, and we started, you know, trying to evolve and develop polymers, and, and we we've partnered with research firms and done all kinds of polymer research, and we've had many generations of different polymers. But basically, we each time we're trying to develop something that will allow the face to flex and move, create the, the maximum performance, the speed that we want out of it. But really important to us is how it adheres to all the geometry on the inside, on the inside, and how it works with the exoskeleton of the of the outer structure to maintain a really really solid feel and sound, and uh, um, that's something that's been really important to us every time. And I think every generation, our irons have gotten better, not only from a performance perspective, but also from a feel and sound perspective. I think we've continued to improve on that as well.
1: Let me ask you kind of a broad question then off of this. So you have a founder who's willing to invest time and money to make the best in the business. Um, The price point is not exactly what you guys are focused on, but in the end, you do want to sell these things. So when you're talking to your customers, what are they telling you they want? Do they just want clubs that are Going to make their game improve? Is the sound and feel part of it, is that where this has come from? That the customers are telling you they want the experience of this?
0: I think, um, you know, as golfers, like the one thing that's really cool is all of our RD team, myself, Nicola, especially, you know, played on tour. Like we're, we have a passion for the game. And so what we do with our free time is play golf. Like, and so we're around yeah. other golfers, golfers, like, so we inherently have a lot, a really good feel for like what our customers want. And, you know, like that from a performance perspective, we segment the marketplace or different characteristics that are that make a, a product good for different player types. But ultimately one thing that the golfers all seem to really want or would would prefer to have over anything else is that is that solid feeling sound. And so, you know, with an iron, typically, you know, what that is is it's it, it, it's no loose sounding, it's no like, you know, um, it, it, it's 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 a, it's a it's limiting the 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 amplitude really of the frequency and the duration of the frequency. Um, you know the the frequency itself is not you're not really shooting for like a low frequency like sounds. Um, it can be high, but it's limiting the amplitude and the duration so that it has like that thud. You know when you hit it, and, and that's something that we're trying to to achieve when when we approach our designs. And you know we 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 get there. Um, through a lot of different um, steps, but the polymer and its interaction with the, with, with the metal has a big effect on that. Because, like, if you, if you use, a, for example, if you use a polymer that, that, that you just fill it up, but it's, there's, it's not adhered to the, to the face, so to speak, if there's, like, any kind of um, even a slight, like, you could cut it in half, you couldn't see any separation, but there's, there's, it's not literally, like, adhered. Then you get a slight vibration between the two. It sounds terrible. Like left some of the things that we've learned through our designs. Like literally, sounds awful. Like so there's a, there's a, there's um, there's a lot that goes into to understanding how those examinates are working, and in order for it to work appropriately, um, choosing the materials that that really enhance um, you know that that feeling sound performance is. is a a big part of of what we're trying to
1: achieve. It's really interesting because I'm listening to you and, you know, when I think about technology in this space, I would think that the priorities are what's going to make me hit it straighter. What's going to make me hit it farther. What's going to give me more control, you know, spin control when I use these things. But what I'm hearing you say is, is that part of the real experience, even for the hardcore golfers is they just want to enjoy the experience to the fullest so we're designing yeah. things to make the experience the best it can possibly be for them.
0: Yeah, I agree, but not to diminish those other factors as well. I think like we've really, especially in future generations, we've really enhanced the performance of the products. Well, recently, um, you know, our Gen 6 irons, which we are, are kind of our flagship series product just now, they, they, they won an industry-wide robot test that was done by an independent magazine that tests. Basically, the, the distance loss on off-center hit performance across the sub-face. So they, you know, they set up on a robot. We've done the, our own internal testing as well, but they did it independently. And they hit it in the middle, and then they hit it in, in the like, the high-toe, low-toe, heel locations and and compare the distance loss performance across the entire face relative to the center. And our Gen 6 irons were, were rated as the, the number one most forgiving iron in the industry. So, like, that technology works. To achieve those things. When you compare it from a distance perspective, like we're one of the fastest ball speeds, we have some of the most ideal launch conditions with our Gen 6 products. So they deliver from a distance perspective. So they deliver on distance, they deliver on forgiveness, they deliver on feeling sound. They 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 look really cool, distinctive. Um so that you know, we try to deliver all attributes, not just one. But you know, there are competitors I feel like I pick up and hit that I'm like they, they've gone down that path of hollow body technology but they haven't figured out the feel and sound piece of it and so they they're they're trying to approach on us on on some of the performance aspects but they haven't nailed the entire package they they're real clanky and i i'm kind of shocked that people you know will play with those i i mean obviously some people do but they're you know they they just they they it's not an experience that is any fun. And even if you're playing with somebody that's using that type of product, it's not even a fun experience to listen to. it. <laughs> <they're playing. laughs> oh. So, I, just, I guess the thing I would say is like, we, we figured out a way that you don't have to make that trade off. You don't have to play a club that sounds terrible because thinking that it performs better like ours does. It does it all. It performs outstanding and it's a really fun experience that, that sounds great.
1: Um, All right. Last thing, since you mentioned this from the start, that when Bob Parsons came to you all and started talking to you about this years ago, that you kind of at least initially said, I don't know if this is the best time to do this. Um, Here you are, you know, a decade later in this position. We've had a pandemic um, and a lot of changes in the world of golf and professional golf. Um, Where is the business and where's the industry now?
0: Well, the pandemic was huge for golf. We saw a massive amount of growth. We haven't seen that since, you know, really the 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 90s. You know, the type of growth that they that was occurred and into the early 2000s was the last time the industry saw that kind of growth and, and probably even exceeded some of that trajectory. The thing that we've seen this year is is some pullback from equipment perspective across the industry. I think everybody kind of saw that coming because there was so many more so many new entrants. But the exciting thing for the game, I think is that based on all the measures that I've seen is that, that people are still playing golf and there's almost like not enough capacity to play golf. So a lot of those, those people that came into the game are still are playing it. it, it it's uh, and, and there's a, like a new high level of, of, of players, which is great for the long-term health of the, of the game. I think one of the challenges is, is, you know, golf, which has always been the case, I think. And, and one of the reasons that it struggled for so many years is, is it's it takes takes a while to play yeah. it's kind of expensive you know it's like it's difficult you know these are the things that have kind of made it um you know maybe not as as uh as big as it, as it could be um you know i don't know if you can solve yeah i think you can solve some of those things i don't know the difficult part you know is, is is part of what draws people to it i think but um you know we're always trying to make it a little bit easier for people to enjoy the game and pick it up and, and have fun with it um you know but that that those are, are, I think, some of the challenges that, that still need to be addressed. And, you know, definitely capacity and stuff like that are, are a challenge. You know, I know I, I, we live in a golf mecca here in, in Phoenix, Scottsdale area, and, and the, the cost of rounds have gone through the roof on public, public courses, private courses. The um, the, the waiting lists are, are years now, and the initiation fees have, have wow. doubled and tripled. So. The popularity has gone through the roof. It's made it very expensive, um, you know, which is, you know, I, it's still popular. People are still filling up T-sheets, but it, it it definitely creates a, a roadblock um, for people to expect the new people to get out and enjoy the game because it's so it's so cost um, prohibitive.
1: Brad Schweigert is the Chief Product Officer at PXG. Thank you so much for joining us.
0: Thank you. Appreciate your time, and, and thanks for helping us get our story out there.
1: That will do it for this episode. As always, the future is now. This is the Future Sport Podcast. I'm Bram Weinstein.